1: Hello everybody, welcome back to Live On Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink, who expands your life, bringing you another episode of Live On Purpose Radio. We're excited to be here today. I have a number of guests in studio with me today, and a quick introduction. Well, first of all, a little bit of self-disclosure. An important part of my life has been the Boy Scouts of America. Now that's going to shock the heck out of a lot of you, probably. no.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Me.
1: <laughs> no, it won't. Those of you who know me, this has been an important part of my life, and I ran into an opportunity recently. A good friend of mine, John Gledhill, is here in the studio with me. Hello, John. Hello, Paul. Welcome to Live On Purpose. Thank you. Uh, John and I live in the same neighborhood, and we've had a chance to get to know each other pretty darn well over the last oh, 13 oh, years or yeah. so. That's right. Something like that. And uh, we've been involved in the scouting program together as adult leaders. Mm-hmm. And so we've had a, a chance to be involved on that level. And John introduced me oh, a little over a month ago, I think it was, to right. Mr. Jake Carlson. And Jake is here in studio as well. Welcome, Jake. Thank you. It's good to be here. Glad you're here. You you came a little farther than John and I did yeah, to I make it to the Live On Purpose studios.
3: I came from the sun of Phoenix up to the rain of Utah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it has been soaking the last few days and here and in Utah. And cold. We got a little bit of snow yesterday morning. Man, and that. this morning again. Yeah. It's April, people, and we're getting snow in Utah. Nice little April Fool's joke. That's the way I was looking at it. Well, Jake is joining us from the Boy Scouts of America National Foundation. And this is a an organization that... Well, Jake, maybe you can explain it a little bit more. But basically, you are the Major Gifts Council for the Boy Scouts of America. Can you tell us what that is? What you do?
3: Yeah, the the Major Gifts Council is it's a position designed to help local councils, and and the Boy Scouts of America is set up basically having three hundred and four local Boy Scout councils serving local communities. So, mm-hmm. the the Major Gifts Council would go around and help these three hundred and four councils in their endowment efforts and building relationships with local scouters volunteers as you know the boy scouts is a volunteer run organization so mm-hmm. it's important for us to, to, to say thank you back to our volunteers to provide a service to the volunteers and one way that we do that is through the major gifts council or uh, somebody trained to help with estate planning or, or as we're going to talk about today mm. values and, and not just valuables
1: that's right. And your training, you hold two degrees, an MBA, and a JD. That's right. So you're an attorney who knows something about business. <laughs> or or a businessman that might have a, uh,
3: you know, a thing or two to say about law. I don't know. <laughs>
1: well, that puts you in a unique position to do the kind of work that you do and to provide the kind of service that you provide. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, especially as we get to the last segment of our program here today, because you're providing... As as a way of giving back. And this is, a I think, a crucial element of success and prosperity, is to understand that giving back, when you have received abundantly, to give back abundantly. And even if you haven't received abundantly, which means you're probably not paying attention, but... You can give back abundantly, and that will create more of a return for you too. It's just this wonderful process of exchange.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting uh, uh, the more you give, the more you get, it seems like and, and I don't know a lot of uh, a lot of that going around, but uh, the more you give, the more you get tends to be the the rule when it comes to uh, nonprofit organizations and, and mm-hmm. helping service mm-hmm. uh, and volunteering.
1: Well, like I said, let's get, let's get into some of the specifics of that particular service or the giving back that the Boy Scouts of America is doing through the foundation and through your position. Uh, but to introduce that, I want to talk a little bit about the content, the content of this uh, service that you're providing. Um, I've been reading a book uh, the last few days. Uh, at your recommendation, Jake. Uh-huh. It's called Beating the Midas Curse. And the authors of that book are Perry Kochel? How do you say Cochelle Kochel. Perry Kochel and Rodney Zeeb. Yeah. And uh, Beating the Midas Curse is, is kind of about this, this um, disease that sometimes happens among very wealthy families who have accumulated large fortunes. And then when they try to pass those on to the family, it actually just ruins stuff. You know, and the kids go goofy, and they get selfish, and they sort of self-destruct, as in it? As a uh, consequence of having all of this wealth. In fact, I think they referred to it in the book as affluenza.
3: Yeah, affluenza.
1: And i had never heard that term before, but I see it. I've seen it happen, And, and listeners, you can think through you know news stories or or things that you're aware of with very wealthy families where the kids inherit the fortune and then they just go you know go to pot uh, sometimes literally <laughs> but anyway um, this is a very common occurrence isn't it
3: yeah and and for your listeners it's it's much akin to winning the lottery and there was mm, a recent survey right. just done of over the last 10 years, people who had won significant sums of money, which I believe was defined as over millions of dollars in the mm-hmm, lottery, mm-hmm. only 8% of those surveyed indicated that they were happier since winning the lottery than they were prior to winning oh. the lottery. And inheritance oftentimes becomes winning the lottery. In fact, if you think about it, take a, take a survey of your children and what their annual salary would be. Is it fifty thousand? Is it sixty thousand? Is a hundred thousand an annual salary for your children? And then take the average of that, and mm-hmm. then think if you have four children, and you own a typical home, their inheritance is going to be more in one day, than they typically will earn, in a whole year of work. Yeah, and so it's like winning the lottery for a lot of these individuals because. All of a sudden they have 100000 or 150000 hundred and fifty, or a million dollars that they didn't have yesterday, and they start to see things a little bit differently.
1: Well, Jake, there's a cultural trend. I don't know if I'm picking the right words here, but there's a cultural expectation, a belief, a tribal custom, we can call it that, that winning the lottery is good. Right. That, you want that, right? Right. <laughs> Isn't that the tribal culture? Well, of course, and and you look at why it's that way.
3: You see the media, you see the billboards, you see the the local news when somebody wins the lottery, mm-hmm. and there's balloons and there's confetti and there's big smiles and Great a big, big check. check, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really been glamorized. And of course, what does re- winning the lottery mean? Well, it means that you now have the ability to. Make choices that you didn't have to make before or or get to make choices that you didn't Mm -hmm. get to make before. And uh, people see that as an opportunity to give, to grow closer to their friends, to increase Mm -hmm. their lifestyle, to have the things that they always wanted. If you were were given $1 million today, just a thought exercise. If you Mm -hmm. were given $1 million today, you could spend it on anything you wanted to, but you had to spend it. What would you spend it on? Would you go on a cruise? Would you buy a car? Would you pay off your mortgage? Would you invest it? I, mean, I don't know if that's considered spending it, but what mm-hmm. would you do if you had a million dollars today mm-hmm. or $100,000? If you opened mm-hmm. your mailbox and there was a pile of cash, $100,000, what would you do? And mm-hmm. these are, these are uh, questions that we don't often think about. But, are, but we are faced with when we receive an inheritance or win the lottery. And that's why I oftentimes con, consider the two very similar. Mm-hmm. And so the, the idea of what I'm doing, one of the roles that I play, is helping families prepare for that inheritance, prepare their children. And the one way that we can do that is by passing on not just our values, our valuables, but passing on our values as well. hmm uh, preparing our children, preparing our heirs, our beneficiaries to receive that inheritance so that they're ready mm-hmm. when it comes, that they've thought through how they will handle it.
1: So, of the two values and valuables, which is more important? Well, uh, <laughs> think hard, Jake. All right. Just me, take your time. Let me check my. John my might know. Here. <laughs>
3: uh, I, w- I would say that if a family if a mother and father passed away and left no money 0 dollars 0 cents to their children their children would have been abundantly blessed and received a far greater inheritance if their parents had taught them the ethics and values of hard work of spirituality of faith of honesty integrity in the scout in in boy scouts we talk about trustworthy loyal helpful friendly courteous kind and so on, down the list, and children who receive that inheritance a values inheritance receive more than children who only receive a financial or a valuables inheritance mm-hmm.
1: it's um it's interesting to think about what what the valuables really are money, for example. I had a friend who pointed out to me at one point that it would be. It would be insane if you really like electricity. It would be insane to just go stockpile copper wire. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The copper wire only carries the electricity, just like money only carries the value that came from where? Well, it came from those things that you're talking about, from character, integrity, a work ethic. Where did it come from? And the parents who worked all of their life to establish this wealth did it by applying certain principles and by creating value in this world. If they don't pass on those principles, those values, then it's just like giving their kids a bunch of copper wire. Yeah. And the electricity isn't going to stay there. I don't know if that's the greatest. Uh, It's a lot
2: like, you know, Jake mentioned uh, winning the the lottery. It's a kind of a pre-planned lottery. If the parents mm-hmm. don't realize that that's what they're doing to their kids, without doing as you mentioned, passing along the values that go with it, it's they don't realize that what they're doing is to their children is the same thing as if they were to win a lottery. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody kind of hears all the stories about lotteries, but they don't realize that that's what they're doing to their own children unless they pass along the values that go with those valuables.
1: You know, it's it's interesting that money. Receiving the money doesn't change someone's values. But it does tend to magnify their character. And if they're broke before, you just put a whole bunch of fuel on that particular fire. And it's it's hard to see that sometimes mm-hmm. from certain perspectives. But I think that's exactly what we're about. We'll be right back after this break. If the pile of books you want to read is growing faster than the pile you have read, then Abundant Reading Systems can help you. After taking Abundant Reading Systems course, I dramatically increased my ability to expand my knowledge in a much more efficient way. My fastest test today was in the 7,000 words per minute. I highly recommend this program. From what I've seen it do for other people who've been through the entire program, and from what I've seen in myself today, I've teamed up with Abundant Reading Systems to offer a single-day intensive speed reading workshop that will at least double your reading speed, guaranteed.
4: This belief started to grow inside of me that I thought, "You know, I can really do this. I can read, you know, as fast as I let myself read." And uh, Ended up doubling my time, my speed reading time, which was really good.
1: This is David Hinton, founder of Abundant Reading Systems. I want to personally invite you to join us for our next event. Visit abundantreadingsystems.com now. Abundant Reading Systems, reading at the speed of imagination. Thank you for joining me for the Live On Purpose radio podcast. It is truly an honor to be a part of your prosperity team. Please visit my website, drpaul.org, to get connected with other tools for you and your family. There you will find links to my weekly e-zine, Empower, Harnessing the Power of the Mind, and to the free Parental Power teleconference that I host every week with my wife, Vicki. You can also check out upcoming events, or pick up powerful information products. Feel free to contact me directly with questions, comments, or to book me for your company or private event. Email me through Dr. Paul at liveonpurposeradio.com. Welcome back. Having some fun discussion during the break. And there's a couple of directions I want to take this next segment. John, you pointed something out that I think is really important to understand about the creative power that people have. They don't realize that they're creating something, whether they, whether they are aware of it or not. And the legacy that you leave for your kids is along those lines. Do you want to comment about that, what you were thinking?
2: Yeah, you know, it's a lot of times people haven't thought about leaving a legacy. But what people need to realize is that they will leave a legacy whether they intend to or not. And so it's not a matter of if you will leave a legacy, it's what you will leave as a legacy. And I think it's a that's that concept that people need to understand. It doesn't have much to do with money. It's, it's as you were talking about earlier, about leaving the values. What is that that you're going to leave?
1: The money is just one of the... Sideshow's, right you know in this whole legacy that you're going to leave and it can be an extremely distracting one mm-hmm. if you don't have a, an air that is grounded in the same kinds of values and beliefs that you have the money is just going to go out there and magnify or exacerbate whatever's going on in that person's life
2: and this is what happens with those lottery winners. It is. In, in fact, you know, one of the things that shocked me so much as I, I learned more about this process is that nine out of ten in, inheritance or estate plans fail the people that they were intended for. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but the, these estate plans are designed to pass along the valuables. And because the values don't go with it, the valuables are gone and create tremendous family issues within a couple mm. of generations. The value, valuables are gone, and families are torn apart because the values haven't gone with them. So that's why I feel so passionately mm. about helping people understand that it's the values and this legacy is something that has to be intentionally done, regardless of how many valuables go along with it. And the reality is, is that for... For a lot of uh, families,
3: the glue that holds that family together is mom and dad. Right. Mom and dad hold that family together. And when mom and dad pass away and that glue is removed, it's not that there's fighting or or any hard feelings oftentimes. It's just a matter that that glue has been removed and the and the kids tend to grow apart. They may live in different states or different parts of the country, and they just don't find that time to get back together. And Mm -hmm. by instilling the values and the opportunities for families to work together and grow together and to understand finances together, to understand what the true meaning of their inheritance, and of course by inheritance I mean the true meaning of their values inheritance, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. adds an extra layer of glue to that family such that when the parents pass away, that family is still cemented together by the values of hard work or faith or any of the other values that we could list an entire Mm -hmm. page from. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, the legacy that is created with that, I I, kind of mentioned the tribal culture before, and we have these general cultural norms that we kind of fall into, but every family has one too, a tribal culture, and you can create whatever culture you intend, if you will intend it and start working on actually creating it. Mm -hmm. It's like you were saying, John, it's not whether you will leave a legacy, it's which one will you leave? Correct. What will be the nature of it? Mm -hmm. I think, Jake, hasn't there been some research that's been done, uh, sometimes with with well-known families, about the cycle that they go through?
3: Yeah, and interestingly enough, there's a metaphor given that Mm -hmm. talks about the cycle of wealth in these wealthy families. And as you look at different cultures and customs, each uh, na- worldwide each of these customs and cultures has their have their own version of this metaphor uh, the mm. irish would say shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations uh, the chinese would oh. say clogs to clogs in three generations and the idea behind mm. that is the first generation wore long sleeve shirts this is going to the shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves mm-hmm. uh, of ireland mm-hmm the, the first generation would wear long sleeve shirts because they worked out in the fields all day and the sun was beating down. And so they wore long sleeve shirts to keep the sun off of them. And as they got successful, they wanted the next generation, their children to have some more opportunities, more opportunities than they had. And so they used their earnings from working hard in the field to send their kids into the city to go to school. Mm -hmm. And the kids go into the city for school They get their education, they find great jobs, and they want their children, now we're on the third generation, the grandchildren, to have it just a little bit easier than they had it, a leg up. Mm -hmm. And so that third generation doesn't have the same discipline of growing up and working in the fields. They don't have the same discipline of knowing what it's like to pay for their own way through college, earning their own way or working two jobs or working nights. And so they take it for granted.
1: And so mm-hmm.
3: the next generation ends up back in the fields working again with the shirt sleeves. Uh, same with the uh, Chinese version uh, clogs to clogs. Clogs were what the uh, uh, farmers wore out in the fields. And it's interesting that it's not just a United States phenomenon or, a, or, or an Irish phenomenon, but mm-hmm. worldwide uh, families have these same problems of wanting their kids to have more have a little bit of a hand up. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, Mm -hmm. often they deprive them of the opportunity to learn those valuables or
1: the values along the way. And it, it, it comes out of the goodness of their heart and their love for their kids. They want to provide such an easy existence for them if they can. But that's the very thing that damages their ability to function on their own and to really be productive. When I think you hit the nail on the head, it's out of love. It's nothing. Oh, yeah. There's no reason.
3: It's not intentional.
1: Well, I don't think any parent is thinking, hmm, I wonder how I can ruin the next generation. (laughs) You know, they want it to be better for their kids than it was for them. Yes. And I really believe that that's coming from a sincere place. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it comes from ignorance, too, about, well, what effect will this have and not only on the next generation, but the generations following. Yeah, there's a story told of a uh, an individual up in Menlo Park,
3: California, who was out out in the park, and he noticed that there was a um, a, a cocoon, mm. a butterfly trying to get out of the cocoon, and he noticed that the but the, the butterfly would struggle and struggle and and then rest for a little bit, and then struggle and struggle and rest for a little bit, and he thought. I'll go over and help this butterfly out. And he he snipped a little bit of the cocoon and out came this butterfly right out, slid right out. But he noticed that the wings were shriveled and the body was kind of bloated. Mm -hmm. And uh, the butterfly kind of wandered around, never flew and died. And so later he was talking to a uh, biologist or a professor over at the university at Stanford. And he said, what happened? And the professor said, you don't know this. But what happened was you actually killed the butterfly. You see, the butterfly needs to go through that struggle of getting out of the cocoon to force the fluids out of the body and into the wings. And the butterfly can't become its full potential without going through some Mm -hmm. of those struggles on its own. Mm -hmm. And by depriving uh, the butterfly, or in in other words, uh, depriving our children of some of the struggles that made us who we are, Mm -hmm. And some of the things that we learned from and grew from, I love the quote that says, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's right. And which is more valuable? (laughs) And and, you know, as parents, it's hard to watch our children go through those tough times because we know what it's like. Yeah. But yet it's that very thing that made us who we are.
1: You know what? I want to throw out another idea that was suggested to me by a, a friend of mine yesterday who suggested that planned adversity Mm -hmm. is one way to approach your life. And I thought about a movie that I saw. And, John, you may have even recommended this one to me. I think it's called The Ultimate Gift. Yes. You familiar with that one? James Garner. And and, uh, I don't remember all the details. And we can have some conversation about that. But basically... Here was a guy who was passing on an inheritance, but he wanted to do a little planned adversity mm-hmm. right. to make sure that that butterfly could fly. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? You bet. What, what do you remember about the movie that illustrates that principle? Do you remember any of the specifics?
3: Well, I've read the book, and uh, I recommend the book to anybody that, that Do you know the author it. off the top of your um, head? Wasn't it John Gardner? No, uh...
1: I'm not familiar with the book. I may have to go look that up. But interestingly
3: enough, uh, the author is blind.
1: Oh, really? Uh And
3: wrote the book and and directed the movie and has actually written a number of other books and is a great motivation-type speaker Mm -hmm. uh, about adversity. But in the book, he talks about 12 gifts mm-hmm. that he gives to uh the young man the, the the grandson and in the movie i think they only covered four or five of them yeah. you remember in one part of the movie they they're in texas and he's planting posts the and, that
2: was the first gift i believe work
3: yeah the gift of hard work yeah. and and I, I know there's other gifts gift of yourself and and friendship friendship and love and, and-
1: yeah, so the idea, though, was that this guy who was passing on his inheritance to, I think it was a grandson, mm-hmm. wasn't it, mm-hmm. who, who was in that generation who didn't get it. Right. And he was hoping to get it without getting it. And, uh, and he needed to go through these learning experiences in order to be refined to the point where he could even handle the inheritance.
3: Yeah, great book. I, I think the name just came to me. I believe it's Jim Stovall. Is the author of that book.
1: Okay, that sounds like it could be right. It's called The Ultimate Gift. Mm-hmm. And there is also a movie out uh, mm-hmm. starring James Gardner. Highly recommend it. it. It just addresses these same issues that we're talking about here today. Yeah. What a powerful concept. If we could intentionally create experiences for our family that helps them to internalize the values that will help them to not only receive, but really be a good steward over that inheritance. I think that's what we're talking about. Pass on the values before the valuables. Yeah, and make sure the two...
3: There's nothing wrong with passing on a significant inheritance to our children. Isn't that what we all want? If we think of our own lives, don't we want our children to have as much or, or have the hand up or or whatever we can benefit and bless them with. I mean, we've worked hard in our lives and we have the the Mm -hmm. right and the ability to bless our children in any way that we see fit. There's nothing wrong with the financial inheritance.
1: No, When
3: coupled with the values that go along with it, the understanding.
1: It's a lot like handing your son a power saw. It's a lot like that. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at Brennan over here who's teching the show and he gets... Involved with um, set construction over at the junior high, yeah. and he's running power tools, and that creates some danger. But as long as he knows how to run it and he's got the skills and the character to do that properly, it can be a great asset in his life. Otherwise, it's just putting him in danger. Same kind of an idea. Well, let's take another break, we'll be right back. I've got a great
4: idea. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. Have you ever ordered a t-shirt with a funny saying that was screen printed on the front? This simple process is now turning millions for one California woman who has the fashion world going gaga. In her own words, Leanne Ford describes the moment the idea came to her. I was on a walk, she says, and I had this idea. There were all these cool parents out there, but there weren't a lot of cool baby clothes. She started thinking about how old vintage t-shirts with funny sayings on them were always a hit with adults, but babies are stuck with the same old blue and pink outfits with bunnies and duckies on them. So Leanne ventured forth with her idea and started making a clothing line for babies called Punkster. Picture some of these punk baby sayings on a little one that you know. I crawl the line, or I pooed as opposed to I pod. Or how about remember the little people? Or she's with me. These funny little shirts are not just a new flare of attitude; they have taken the world by storm. Within months, celebrities such as Keith Urban, Emmylou Harris, Sarah Evans, Nicole Kidman, and Cheryl Crow have all made their purchases. The Simple Funny Baby Tees are now in over 200 retail stores including Barney's New York and FAO Schwartz. People's Magazine, Parent Magazine, and many others have caught on the buzz and helped promote punksters into a huge idea for little people. This is Shay Larson, ideaorbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. I've got a great
0: idea, wouldn't you like to know, you probably can't bear it, so I guess I'll have to share it, I thought of it a moment ago. A leader must have the courage to act against an expert's advice. James Callaghan, British Prime Minister.
3: All
1: right, there's, there's an important thing that I think we need to get to next. Part of what you're doing, Jake. To spread this message to people, you know, values before valuables. Uh, You've got a program or a
4: a process. Is that right?
1: A process maybe is a better word for it that you can take people through to help them to create this legacy intentionally and make sure that the values are included. And yeah, let's pass on the you know the monetary wealth as well, but make sure that it comes in this context. And you've got an interesting acronym for it, especially in that tax day is coming up in about a week. Here, uh, we're recording this show in early April, and the acronym is IRS. And I hope your right? I hope your listeners don't turn this off. Now. <laughs> keep keep rolling. Stay with us, um, IRS. Can you k- explain what that is? what What is it that uh, that symbolizes, and how does that help families?
3: Yeah, the IRS, it stands for the three steps in this process. Step number one, I, identify. Identify what we value, what's important to us, what has meant a lot to us. Step number two, R, record. Mm. Record that in a way that can be shared, can be passed on generation to generation, that that our great-grandchildren know who great-grandpa and great-grandma were, what their first names mm-hmm. were, what, what meant so much to them, why who we were, and then S, uh, sharing that vision. Mm-hmm. So I think the IRS, it works out good because people tend to remember that IRS and, mm-hmm. and identify, record, share. And it's really an easy process. It's a process that, uh, individuals can do on their own or they can have it facilitated by individuals like myself that can help them walk through the process but identify Mm -hmm. many of us know Mm -hmm. a lot of ways to identify what we value uh just to name a few we can talk to friends and family nobody knows what's important to me more than my wife And, Mm. and i assume it's probably the same for for many of you uh and or husband, your spouse knows a lot about you and, and what's important to you. So we can start by talking to those that we're close to. Our kids always have some input, uh, even our parents. I, I remember as I was doing the research for this IRS uh, process, sitting down with my grandfather and mm-hmm. having him walk mm-hmm. me through uh, his job and his role when he was a teenager and how he became who he was through his 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. And as he re- identified To me, what was important to him, what his values were, I started to notice something. Hmm. Many of those values are the values that I hold strong. Right. Many of our strongest values are passed on intergenerationally. Mm -hmm. And so I I recommended to my grandfather at the time, and of course, this is pre-IRS. This is before the identify, record, share. And I said, Mm -hmm. we ought to get this written down. We got to record this. Otherwise, how is anybody going to know the story of who you are and how you became who you were, are? Mm. And so I I came up with the second step. Now we know what we value. Now we know what's important to us. Mm -hmm. Let's record it. And that can mean many different things to many different people. Some Mm -hmm. people will will record their values with paper and pen. They'll write a book or they'll just sketch down some notes or they'll keep a journal or a diary or Mm -hmm. some personal Mm -hmm. thoughts. Others will want to get a a recording, audio recording, or set up the video camera and make a video recording and Mm -hmm. say, this is who I am. Often when I'm giving presentations to large groups, I'll ask the group, I'll say, by the show of hands, how many of you can name the first name of all eight of your great-grandparents and who they are, what
1: they stood for? And half of them are thinking, how many? How many? Uh, Did did I? Yeah, okay. How many of those? eight <laughs> right <laughs> and then and then i
3: i let that moment sink in and then i come back with with my point and that is how many of you want your great grandchildren to know your first name and what you stood for the values mm-hmm. that you instilled in your children that they learned or were passed on to them intergenerationally mm. which leads to the the third and final step and that is once you've got this recorded it's important that our that our children our heirs our loved ones our nieces our nephews receive it understand mm-hmm. it listen to it and so the s stands for share and i came up with mm-hmm. five steps for sharing our values with our children okay and those five steps all revolve around the family step number 1 or or way number 1 is family fun and mm-hmm. and to give you a brief story i like that one yeah you you <laughs> may have heard the adage the family that prays together stays together I like to say the family that plays together stays together. Yeah. I'll tell you just a little story. When I uh, when I got engaged to my wife, I was living down in San Diego, and my family was living elsewhere. And I got engaged without having introduced my wife to any of my family. And so we planned, after our engagement, to go up to Zion National Park in southern Utah, get together as a family so I could introduce my future wife to my father and my brothers and sister and. And those that I'm close to. And so we went to Zion. And one of the family fun things that we like to do is canyoneering. We like to hook up the ropes, lean off the cliff, and slide down as fast as we can. <laughs> and I remember this first day, my wife, my future wife, standing on the top of a 300-foot cliff, leaning back with a little bit of fear in her eyes and fear in her voice, and seeing my father at the bottom belaying or, or holding the safety mm-hmm. rope. And she looks down this 300-foot cliff, and she says, you got me? And he mm-hmm. yells up, I got gotcha. you. And isn't that what family's all about? Mm-hmm. It's being able to lean back on a 300-foot cliff and knowing that your family has your safety rope. Mm-hmm. And that's, for me, what family fun is. It's an opportunity for the family to get together and to build each other by, act, by doing activities that they find fun. So, Mm -hmm. so the first way that we can share our values is through family play, family fun. The second way is through family education Mm -hmm. and education isn't sit down with the books and the paper and take a test. Education can simply be, let's get together and learn how to quilt together. Mom loves Mm -hmm. to quilt. Let's get together as a family and learn this process. Or dad is a great painter. In fact, my grandfather, the one I mentioned earlier is a fantastic painter. What a great opportunity as the grandkids got together to spend that time with grandpa learning how to paint and seeing mm-hmm. how to
1: paint. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking I, as you said that, Jake, my my dad has a, has a lot of fun with sawdust. That's the way he describes <laughs> it. He likes to make sawdust. Yeah. And he's got a couple of lathes where he turns pins. He makes these really nice wooden pins. Uh-huh. And uh, he has had all of my kids out there on the lathe, teaching them how to to turn these pins, and it's it's neat for them to learn that experience. But they're learning a lot about Grandpa that way too, and and that's the point that came to my mind as you were saying that.
3: What a great opportunity to learn Grandpa's story.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and whatever it is, I mean, whether it's quilting or turning pins or or cooking or whatever it is, uh, that's just the method to secure those relationships and to, to learn more about each other and truly value that legacy that's been created. I was also thinking, you know, when you were talking about that first step, identify, a lot of people have some innate sense of what it is that they value, but they've never really made it explicit. They've never sat down and said, okay, what is it? And my wife and I went through this process several years ago as I was putting together some curriculum for a marital magic cruise. Which those are fun. We're going to have to get you and your wife out on one of those. I love, I'd love to. Um, but in this particular one, we were putting together a couple's mission statement. And the first step, one of the first steps that I take couples through is identifying their values. What is it that's important to you? What is it that drives this relationship in this family? And as they become a little more aware of what it is that they value and they make that an explicit part of their conversation, then it's easier to determine, okay, well, where do we want to go with this and have more purpose to their marriage and to their family? So you're suggesting a similar kind of a process where people just, just get it out, get it down on paper, get it... Yeah, where, and call it a mission it.
3: statement, call it a vision statement, call it a, mm-hmm. a, 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 creed, a journal, creed, a creed, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, uh, but really getting those values out. And the interesting thing that you just brought up is a lot of times we have a pretty good feeling of what we value, but what we don't often catch sometimes is the why we value that. What's important to us, we get... like. Take, for example, you mentioned earlier, I have an MBA, I have a JD. Many people would say, why do you have both degrees? Are you a glutton for punishment? And I would say, maybe. Yeah, could be. (laughs) Could be. But I also, one of my strong values, something that's in in my heart is education. Mm -hmm. And for a number of years, people would ask me, what do you value? And I would say, I value education. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And then the question came, why do you value it? And I would spout off the canned answers. Well, of course, I want to get a good job. Of course, I I want to learn. I want to be educated and and be able to communicate with people. But it wasn't until I sat down and took a survey of what I value and took it to the next level, why that's what I value, that I was able to understand that education became important to me as a young kid watching Mm -hmm. a single mother struggle through her education. I remember at 16 years old, getting a phone call from a single mother saying, please come and hear me speak as valedictorian of my graduating MBA class after studying nights and weekends while raising two children during the day. Mm -hmm. That's when education became more than I can get a good job. It's when education became, this is uh, self-confidence. This is who I am. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. number two, uh, family education, uh, number three, the third way that families can build or, or, or share those values with each other is through family businesses. And oftentimes families can work together. Now you may read books or hear other speakers say, uh, the worst thing you can ever do is go into business with your family. Mm. But oftentimes parents leave estates to the kids as a group and not individuals. Take, Mm -hmm. for example, mom and dad own an apartment complex. When they pass away, they give a quarter interest to each of the four kids in this unit. Now the kids can turn around and sell each of their quarter interests, or they can learn to work together on this interest and build that relationship one to another. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are ways that families can grow together through working together in a family business.
1: Some of this is that planned adversity, too. Some of it must be. (laughs) Where you can get through these challenges, but you're going to have to apply some principles in the process. we got one more segment coming up. We'll be right back.
0: This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of the Dog Poop Initiative. This best smelling book could change your life Forever, it certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees, as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States, and in Israel, and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format, fully illustrated with very fun hit messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great, These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. Raising kids is one of the most challenging and rewarding experiences we can have in life. Your children didn't come with an owner's manual, so it's up to you to learn whatever will assist you in your role as a mom or a dad. Join me and my husband, Dr. Paul, for a free weekly discussion about all of the hot topics in parenting. Listen to what others are saying about these calls. By applying the things I've learned to the Parental Power Calls, I'm finally becoming the mom I always thought I would be. I really like to use Parental Power as kind of like a reference book, so as I have concerns with my parenting, I like to be able to look up on the blog and then listen to whatever podcast seems closely related. I like the variety of of topics, the
1: variety of age groups that are addressed.
0: I'm on the parental power calls as often as I possibly
3: can because I know I'm going to come away with something I can apply to being a parent that very day.
1: Let us join your parenting team through parental power. Just send an email to Paul at liveonpurposeradio.com to register for the live calls. Or just check us out first through the link at drpaul.org. All of the previous calls are posted on our blog site where you can also add your own input. Let's team up to start parenting on purpose. All right, we're right in home stretch here on the bumpers radio. And Jake, you left us hanging, man. I know, I got to finish those last two steps. Well, you get—you were talking about, I distracted you, I'm sorry. Because there's so many great things to talk about with this process that you take people through. The I stands for identify what you truly value. R, record and preserve it. And then S is to share it. And you were going through five ways that you can share. And I believe the first one was family fun. Mm -hmm. Then family education. We were talking about family business just before the break. And I think you've got a few more to to hit for us. The
3: final two, uh, number four being family stories. And I mentioned earlier that oftentimes our values are passed on intergenerationally. And Mm -hmm. one of the greatest ways that we can discover our values and pass on those values is to share as a family, those family stories, Mm -hmm. the stories of the first Christmas or crashing on the bike or our first job or the first prom date. Mm -hmm. Some of these stories that we, we sit around the dinner table and laugh about and grow close together as we share the stories. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then the final one and uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about number five because I feel that this is the most important of the five ways that we can build that family relationship, that Mm. we can pass on our values. And that is through family philanthropy. Ah, the giving back. The giving back. Mm -hmm. You see, something magical happens when a family unites to serve others or to give back to those that have made a difference or those that are struggling, to unite as a family under one uh, helpful push or one uh, philanthropic push. And it doesn't always have to be philanthropy with our dollars and cents. It can be philanthropy with our service, Mm -hmm. giving back to those that don't have the same blessings that we have or don't have the same uh, experiences and and backgrounds that we've been blessed with, but sharing our experiences Mm -hmm. with them.
1: I I just wanted to comment about this um, This giving What it is you can give And uh, you shared with me A a copy of the booklet that you use And some of the references And I noted that the very first one on your list Is a coach of mine Colleen O'Donnell Who wrote a book called Generous Mm -hmm. Kids Mm -hmm. And she suggested In her book that there are three ways to give You give your time Your talents And your treasure And Of the three, time and talents are so much more valued, Mm -hmm. typically. It really shows that you care when you give of your time and yourself, your talents. And I've been
3: given the great opportunity working with the Boy Scouts of America where almost all of our leadership is Mm volunteer-driven.
0: When you see a
3: scout troop out there uh, camping or backpacking or, or making a fire or going on these activities throughout town, they're being led by a volunteer mm-hmm. who is giving of their talents and and time and oftentimes
2: their treasure as well.
1: We didn't get paychecks for that, did we, John? Nope, we didn't. At least not the monetary kind.
2: And, you know, one of the things that I often got almost in trouble for is that I had so much fun that it didn't get looked at as giving up anything. I was getting <laughs> mm-hmm. so much and, and – uh, Sometimes I had to wonder if I need to make it look a little bit more like work and sacrifice. Sure. Like yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's one of the important things that we can also teach our children is that sacrifice and giving doesn't have to be hard or, or painful. Mm-mm. It can be a very happy and, and, and pleasant experience, and but it it's often still is. the process.
1: You know, uh, we're coming up on Easter, mm-hmm. and uh, Easter always falls, falls right around my wife's birthday. And I remember one year, she specifically taught our kids this principle through something that I, th- I was just so impressed with. She She gathered the family around and she said, you know, you guys, I have everything I need and most of what I want. Let's do something a little different this year. And so for her birthday, we took some money that we would have spent on presents and gifts and things. And we put these these bills, and I think we had 20s and 50s and stuff, and we put them inside of these little plastic Easter eggs and filled up some Easter baskets and then just went and kind of anonymously delivered them hmm. to some people who would have really benefited from having a little extra, extra money at that time.
3: You bet. It's a great opportunity to teach our children Uh, I got one experience Mm -hmm. I want to share with you about grandparents getting involved in philanthropy with their grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And uh, you may have heard why grandparents and grandchildren get along so well. They have a common (laughs) enemy, the parents. (laughs) (laughs) And for for your listeners that are grandparents, they may find this as a great opportunity to build that bond with their grandchildren. Mm -hmm. We had one grandfather who gave his eight year old grandson, a hundred dollars at Christmas and said, this money is yours to give away to whoever you want to give it away to. But call me up in two weeks and tell me who you gave it to. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, grandpa gets a phone call from grandson. Grandson says, I gave away the money that you gave me. Grandpa says, that is fantastic. Who'd you give it to? And he, he related the, the story of giving it to a a charity south of the border that builds floors and homes for children who don't have floors in their home. What do you know? And very excited about it. And Grandpa beaming ear to ear, wonderful story, but the story doesn't stop there. You see, next year, nine years old, Grandpa gives grandson $100 and says, uh, give this to whoever you want and call me up and tell me who you gave it to. Two weeks go by and nine-year-old grandson calls up and says, Grandpa, I gave away the money you gave me. Grandpa gets excited and says, who'd you give it to? I gave it to an organization south of the border that builds floors in the homes for children who don't have floors in their homes. Oh, really? Grandson pauses and says, but I gave it to a different organization than I gave to last year. Why? Why? Well, I was doing some research Mm. on the internet, nine years old. I I was doing some, some research on the internet. And I found that last year, the charity I chose used, uh, 88 cents on every dollar, uh, as overhead. I'm sorry, 78 cents of every dollar on overhead. And 22% went to building these, these floors Mm -hmm. in this home. This year I chose an organization that had that reversed where 20% Mm -hmm. went to overhead, 80% went to building floors. And I wanted more of my charitable dollar to go to the kids who needed it most. And I thought, what a tremendous lesson taught to that grandson.
1: this kid's a CEO at age 13, right? Uh, Possibly.
3: (laughs) And, And oftentimes I'll get, and when I tell this story, I'll get parents that say, nine years old, yeah, right, he was on the internet looking this up. And I say, okay, maybe his dad and mom helped him. So what? Yeah, big deal. Big deal. The kid learned that he can give back, and he learned a valuable business lesson along the way. Mm -hmm. And so that's a a great opportunity for all of us with our children or grandchildren to give them a little Mm -hmm. bit of charitable money and allow them to make the choice on their own or even take it a step further. And every time that our children make a charitable contribution as a parent match, that gift. Mm. If we walk out of the grocery store and drop a nick and we see our child drop a nickel in the red bucket, drop a nickel in for yourself. What does that do? It teaches the children that what they're doing is important and mom and dad agree Mm -hmm. and they're proud of you and they want to join you in your efforts to make a difference.
1: Wow. So we've covered a lot of ground today. IRS Can help you remember what some of our discussion was here today to identify what you truly value, record and preserve, and then share your vision. I-R-S. Identify, record, and share. And uh, the wonderful thing about a podcast, you can go listen to it as many times as you want. Yeah, rewind it. (laughs) I used to do live radio. It's hard to rewind live radio. You bet. Uh, But there you go. You've got some great tools. Jake, we've got a few minutes left, and I want you to explain a little bit what this what this uh, program is that you're doing, how people can learn more about it, um, how they can get connected with you. Spend a few minutes on that, if you would. You, you bet. A, a few years ago, the Boy Scouts launched a campaign
3: uh, called Do a Good Turn Daily or Good Turn for America. Mm-hmm. And what we did was we encouraged volunteers to go out and do something good
1: Daily, so you've been. And when I was a little kid, when I was a Boy Scout, this was something that we repeated in every Scout meeting: yeah. do a good turn daily.
3: And it became an official good turn for America. A so few the years Scouts ago. decided to do it themselves too. Huh? And that's exactly what the Boy <laughs> Scouts said we have. We have seen our volunteers go out and do so much good in the communities and do so much good in the lives of these young uh, people. What can we do as professional scouters to say thank you back to the community? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I, I've am i got an enviable position because my position... You've is, got a great job. i got a great job. I go out and I help scouters identify what their values are, record their values, and share them with their families. I get to go out and do a good turn daily for those who give so much of their time, their talent, and their treasure to scouting... I get to give back to them as Boy Scouts way of saying thank you. And so uh, I think in in wrapping up here, uh, if you're interested in this IRS process, you want to know more about the steps or or more about the research behind where these steps came from, feel free to email me at jake.carlson at scouting.org. And, uh, I'd be, Mm. I'd be glad to share any of this with you, the research behind it and some of the great stories and
1: experiences that I've seen come out of it. So this is a program that, uh, is, is being made available to people who, well, you said the, you know, volunteers, scouters, people who have been involved in scouting in the past, maybe people who have contributed to scouting in the past, but it's not the kind of thing that the boy scouts has found a way to go make some more money off, off of providing this counseling. This is a way that the Scouting Foundation is giving back to the communities, to the to the volunteers who have made such a big difference in the lives of boys, and and uh, it's not just a boy that they're that they're influencing. And this is getting back to some of my personal affiliation with Scouting, that when you when you make a difference in the life of a boy you've changed a generation. You've changed generations to come because they're going out there and creating those legacies as well.
3: Yeah, and and we also have girls in the Boy Scout program through some of our uh, Learning for Life Mm -hmm. and
1: and Explorer program. Right. So jake.carlson, that's J-A-K-E, Carlson C-A-R-L-S-O-N At scouting.org And that's your personal email It is So if they have questions If any of you listeners have questions Or some interest In the kinds of things that Jake is doing With this IRS uh, Steps to creating your family vision And leaving that legacy on purpose Uh, They can contact you through that email. You bet. Or if they have
3: experiences that they've gone through that they think would be uh, beneficial to my presentation
1: or or experiences they've seen. Yeah. Collect those real stories. Mm Mm-hmm. We've mentioned a couple of things. I'll put some links on the blog site for the books we've mentioned, as well as Jake's email. Jake, thank you for being with us today. Absolutely, my pleasure. It has been our pleasure. And John, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Everybody go out there and live on purpose. See you next time.